0: What up everybody, Sultan of Strangles here, and this is an episode I've been wanting to do for a while. I have not written the outline for it yet, I just, I'm driving home from my mom's to my apartment, and no better way to kill time than to podcast. Um, I'm going to be doing this episode on procrastination. This is a topic I'm extremely passionate about because it has completely ruined my life on so many different occasions and I have kind of found a way to overcome it and become productive in life. I've been more productive in the last two years of my life than the rest of my life combined. It's because I I figured out how to break the code and I'm going to go over that in this episode. Procrastination will destroy your business. It will destroy your your friendships. It's gonna destroy your your love life. It will completely destroy you. And getting past that mental block, uh, which I don't take lightly, by the way, it's huge. People think, oh, it's not a big deal. Uh, it's everyone procrastinate. It's it's huge. And if you let procrastination and laziness take over your life you will never succeed in anything in this episode i'm going to give you real life examples of how i was able to overcome procrastination what i do to get myself in the productive mindset and how to always avoid falling into that trap of let's do it tomorrow let's do it the day after tomorrow you know what let's not fucking do it all right Before we do that, guys, make sure to follow my page at K-O-O-L-R-A-K at Immortals Jiu-Jitsu at Rambling with Rack. And guys, because of your continuous support, I am now sponsored by Manscaped. You could use code word R-A-K for 20% off and free shipping worldwide. If you want to show support for the podcast, go to manscaped.com. And when you're about to do your purchase, Put in code word R-A-K. It's going to help me. It's going to help the podcast. It's going to help everybody. Thank you so much for your continuous support. And sit back, enjoy the episode. I got a surgery January 6th, 2022. My insurance did not cover it. So I had to get uh, financing. It's going to be two years financing, zero interest. And they told me... Hey, give us your credit card. We're going to charge you a $1,000 deposit and a $1,000 a day of the surgery. And then you're going to be billed X amount for a month for two years. I'm like, okay, cool. Give him my credit card. And I give him my uh, info. Okay. They said, all right, that's all we need. Um, so, you know, a month goes by and I'm waiting for the charge to come through. I'm like, oh, I guess... You get a one-month grace period. Two months go by, and I'm like, hmm, I'm pretty sure I'm being charged, but let me see. Oh, they didn't charge me yet. And I haven't gotten a statement, so I guess it hasn't started yet. So instead of calling immediately and seeing what was going on, I just fucking assumed, like eventually I'll be charged and it would start. Little did I know, little did I fucking know that my life would be subsequently ruined. So I, uh, I'm looking for an apartment. And back in the 90s, when you wanted an apartment, you show up to the landlord with $800. Hey, I'm interested. Good, move in today. Now, <laughs> if you want a motherfucking apartment now, oh, you need a credit report you need their credit score, you need pay stubs, you need a resume, you gotta show what college you went to, you gotta show your blood type, if you're susceptible to any diseases, your social security, who you've dated in the past 10 years, what apartments you've lived at, what your favorite color is, and every country you've traveled to for the last 12 years. It's ridiculous, it's fucking ridiculous. The average income, uh, median income is 30 something thousand dollars and the average one bedroom apartment is around $1,800. That's literally impossible for someone making that amount of money to pay. It's like the level of um, just disparity between how much we're earning and how much we have to pay is ridiculous. So I, uh, I, I freaking go, I'm all right. I got to do a credit report. I go, my credit is an 850. The way I got it to 850 was when I, tw- when I was 25. I went to rent a car and the rental place said, hey, um, you need a credit card. I'm like, why do I need a credit card? I have a debit card. I'll just pay. They're like, no, only credit card made zero sense to me. So I went to apply for the credit card and it said, your credit is a 500. I said, why does my credit so bad? I've literally never had a credit card. They said there's a phone bill from 2007. It was 2000. Oh, I can't tell you what age this was because then you not know how old I am. Many, many years before. And, um. Because of that, your credit is now 500. How the fuck can a fucking phone bill from many, many years ago and unpaid could ruin your credit? So from that, from that age, I've just been paying off the same credit card. I had one credit card for like eight years. I'm sorry, eight years, six years, seven years. And I got another one recently just pay those off. Got my credit to 850 within two months. I kid you not two months because of this issue that happened. The medical company I went with didn't send me anything. They didn't send me any statements. They didn't get in touch with me. Nothing. It says you have two missed payments for this bill. My credit went from 850 to 550. It dropped 300 points In in two months, how is that logical? How do these credit companies even come up with this bullshit? When I looked at the statement, it said, some things that are impacting your credit is number one, you're using uh, this percentage. Number two, you have two missed payments. So based off of these two things that just happened, the credit that took me seven years to build up is right back where it was. And credit is everything in this country. It will dictate how much money you spend on a mortgage, your car insurance rates, everything. And the criteria for it is unknown. It's just a random algorithm that just whips up some bullshit and your life could be ruined or destroyed. And this all happened because of procrastination. I should have... First thing I should have done hey, I haven't been billed, what's going on? You gotta let me know. Called, found out, took care of it right away. But instead, I'm just like, oh, you know what? Maybe there's a grace period. Maybe they'll uh, bill me next month, and they didn't. And now, I had to call the credit company. I had, I had, to, I had to call the bank that I have this, uh, uh, this care credit loan from. I told them the situation, they said they made a note to call up the credit companies in about um, 48 hours and explain to them the situation. And hopefully I could get my credit to where it was. Just showing you how procrastination here could literally ruin your entire life. Do not procrastinate. Support for Rambling With Rack is brought to you by Manscaped, who's the best in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Manscaped's performance package is the ultimate men's hygiene bundle. Join over 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off free worldwide shipping with the code RAK at manscaped.com. And if my math's correct, that's about 8 million balls. Guys, Manscaped has truly changed my life y'all know middle eastern men we got some serious dense forestry down there i have tried everything i've tried the -the over-the-counter buzzers i have tried straight razors i have tried regular razors and nothing has made manscaping easier than manscaped all right guys so the performance package 4.0 by manscaped has arrived and oh man is it a game changer Inside this package, you'll find their Lawn Mower 4.0 Trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel bag to hold your goodies. Guys, the ball deodorant, all right? Let's say you're on your last set of leg press at the gym and your girl hits you up, says, what are you doing? You don't have time to take a shower. You just take a quick little... Um, whiff of that ball deodorant, wipe down there, and head over to her house. First off, the Lawnmower 4.0, the trimmer, is a future of grooming. And dare I say, the greatest ball trimmer ever. Their fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is a waterproof and also has 400K LED spotlight you need for more precise shaves. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. Guys, as an Iranian man, I can attest to you that when using a regular buzzer, uh, if you go to my bathroom floor, it literally looks like you just entered the Amazon rainforest. So having the trimmer right now has made my job so much easier. You thought that was good. Want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker Nose and Ear Trimmer. The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. Their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner will change the way you approach your hygiene routine. Trust me when I say this, fellas. Your balls will thank you. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. It's time to take care of yourself. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping worldwide with code word RAK, R-A-K. Get 20% off free shipping with the code R-A-K at manscaped.com. That is 20% off. With free shipping at manscaped.com with code word R-A-K. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. I was listening to Mr. Beast on the Joe Rogan podcast. He's currently the number one YouTuber on uh, YouTube, the most subscribed. I'm like, oh, this guy must be super talented and to be honest it inspired me the uh the episode and on the episode he said it's very much more important to put out good content than to post um than to post often so i'd rather have two good posts a week than five mediocre posts a week and that had an effect on me because i make it a thing okay to post on instagram once a day okay every day you know, sometimes it's not the most... Doesn't get the most traction. Sometimes it does get traction. But I post every day. And because of that consistency, it helps my creativity. My podcast, whenever I have like a bright idea, I just turn on my phone and I just... um, And I just freaking talk. But I recently got a Blue Yeti mic, which is nice. I also... Uh, after listening to the episode, I'm like, you know what I'm gonna focus on just making you know more wholesome content and maybe not post every day for the podcast I'm gonna go home I'm gonna write out an outline I'm gonna make it perfect I'm gonna use the blue yeti and then I noticed when I get into that mindset, I just don't fucking do it <laughs> you know i'm I'm the type of guy it's like listen let's just fucking get it done. If I have to plan a time and outline, sometimes I'll do it, but most of the time I'll kind of let it sit on the back burner. You know what I mean? Um, so again with that that's another um, you know example of procrastination. It's kind of like paralysis by analysis. Well, I have to wait till I have this, this, and this to do this. Or you could just say, fuck it. Let's just try it anyway. Not fully ready, but let's do it. Like, hey, there's a tournament. I got to get my strength and conditioning. I have to get this in check. I have to get that in check. Or you could say, hey, you know what? Let's just go try and see what happens. What's the worst that could happen? And then you go to the tournament and you end up winning and you're like, oh, okay, that wasn't too bad. You know, don't let yourself ever be the guy who goes through paralysis through analysis, a.k.a. procrastinating. So I'm going to take a little bit of a left turn in this podcast. And um, I, I watch a lot of uh, Jocko Willing. Uh, he's a Navy SEAL. He does a podcast called The Jocko Podcast. And what he will do... He will take ep- excerpts from a book, he'll read a quote, and um, and he'll give his thoughts on it. So, The greatest piece of work I have ever read on procrastination is from a website called waitbutwhy.com. It was written in 2013, which is almost 10 years ago. Still can't believe it, man. Time has gone by so much, man. And this changed my life. It changed my life forever because the terms from this, from this article still are in my mind. I still use instant gratification monkey, um, the dark playground, and all the other stuff he talks about. Um, so what I'm going to do, because I could just read this off to you or I could just try to put everything into my own words and, and it'll take away from its glory. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to read excerpts from it for you guys, and then we will, um, we will talk about it and I'll give you my thoughts on it. Okay. So as a normal person, you know, uh, a normal person's brain, this is how it works. This is a good time to get some work done. Okay. Um, that we're just going to do a bunch of tasks long term, and he says, "I am not a child." Okay, he's not a child because the the definition of procrastination is the action of delaying or postponing something, and we all procrastinate. And in this article, and hopefully in this podcast, I could teach you how to not. There is an enemy living in your mind. You want to call him the devil, you want to call him whatever, the inner bitch, whatever. In this article, they call him the instant gratification monkey. This guy is the absolute best friend of procrastination. And he will do anything in his power to stop you from getting to your goal. So let's say, Time to write a paper and the instant gratification monkey will say, quote, let's watch a bunch of YouTube videos on creatures of the deep sea and then come on YouTube spiral that takes us through Richard Feynman talking about string theory and ends with us just watching interview with Justin Bieber's mom, end quote. So how many of us have been here? I have a, a literal Tetris addiction. I have not played in two days, but something I do is when I have a serious task to do, I'll be like, you know what? Let's play a quick game of tret- Tetris just to blow off some steam. And when I hit six lines at a time and T-spins, my brain gives off dopamine because I, the points that I get Sometimes I'll get to 700, sometimes I'll get to 750. And I'm like, you know what? Let's do it. I could get there. And I won't. I'm like, you know what? Let's play another game and another game and another game. And before I know it, six hours has gone by. Um, the procrast- the uh, instant gratification monkey, step two, quote, then we'll re- reorganize our to-do list. Check sock prices on Amazon. And split up our iPhoto albums into smaller, more specific albums. By then, it'll be 2 o'clock and we have an appointment at 4.30. So it'll be too late to really start any work at that point. <laughs> End quote. The instant gratification uh, monkey is your worst enemy. is the last creature should be in charge of your decisions. Um, they talk about it in the article. We all have it. I have it. And um, you got to tell the instant gratification monkey, no. You got to say, fuck you, no. And you could let them out sometimes. It's okay. Um, because there is a time where you could enjoy yourself. And that is after you got your work done. Okay? Because when you have tasks to do, For example, for me, tax returns, and instead you're on YouTube bullshitting. Um, When you're on YouTube and when you're doing the fun things, when in the back of your mind you have a lot of work to do, you're not having fun. Deep down, you're miserable, and you're just avoiding it. You're avoiding the work, but it's on the back of your mind, and you never enjoy it because you're miserable the whole time. Next part of the article. Th- this part of the article, um, this affected me the most. Okay, uh, there is the instant gratification monkey, and then there is the dark playground. The dark playground is something that a term that has stuck with me because I feel like I've spent I've spent the majority of my life in my early 20s in uh, because I was dealing through I was dealing with so much shit with my family like stuff that you wouldn't imagine your wildest nightmares and although it was bad I will admit that I used it as a crutch at some points at some points I'm like listen um, I'm not gonna do this and this today I'm not gonna study for this final because my life sucks but I realized, in reality, my life sucked, but I could have still studied, you know. So, quote, the dark playground is a place every procrastinator knows well. It's a place where leisure activities happen at times where leisure activities are not supposed to be happening. The fun you have in the dark playground isn't actually fun because it's completely unearned. And the air is filled with guilt, anxiety, self-hatred, and dread. Sometimes the rational decision maker puts his foot down and refuses to let you waste time doing normal leisure things. And since the instant gratification monkey sure as hell isn't going to let you work, you find yourself in a bizarre purgatory of weird activities where everyone loses, end quote. Now, on the website, he wrote, he has a little cool sign with all the things you do in the dark playground. I'm going to read them off to you refreshing phone email again and again roller coaster thrill ride depressing nap action slingshot throwing a ball up and catching it food court fantasizing about the completed version of the thing you're working on river float opening the fridge to see if there's anything new in there since 10 minutes ago wild mountain <laughs> looking at all 1200 facebook photos of a high school person you were never friends with adventure volcano man i am guilty of so many of those things when you are in the dark playground what you need to do is immediately stop what you're doing and just start the task that you are supposed to do stop listening to the instant gratification monkey and move on but now there is one thing that could freak out the instant gratification monkey and that is the panic monster. The panic monster quote: "The instant gratification monkey, normally unshakable, is terrified of the panic monster." How ca- how else could you explain the same person who can't write a paper's introductory sentence over a two week span, suddenly having the ability to stay up all night, fighting exhaustion? and write eight pages why else would an extraordinarily lazy person begin a rigorous workout routine other than a panic monster freak out about becoming less attractive oh god this gives me flashbacks of college man it's like i worked while i was in college and i was dealing with a lot of shit, as i said and i went to school full-time but if I was just a little more responsible, I could have gotten so much done. Same in my adult life. I'm pretty. I'm pretty efficient now. Um, but you know, um, tax returns. It is now four seventeen. The tax deadline is four eighteen. Uh, I'm done with most of my tax returns. I have about four left. I should probably be doing those, but I'm doing this. So instead, I put those on extension. When I was in college, I'd have a paper or a test, and I would wait until the last night. I'd go get a Dunkin' Donuts Turbo coffee. It has espresso in it, and I would stay up all night to do it. Meanwhile, if I was just responsible and took like two to three hours a day to do it, I would have had things done. But instead, I procrastinated and I paid. It's because the panic monster. When the panic monster is there, you have no choice. But remember that um, when you do work, when the panic monster has finally arrived, the, um, the, uh, the, the work is just not good. It's not as good. Your brain doesn't retain information like it would. Your work is not as good as it, good as it could have been because it's rushed. So here's what the article says: "Quote. Of course, this is no way to live, even for the procrastinator who does not manage. Who does manage to eventually get things done and remain a competent member of society? Something has to change, and there are main reasons why. Number one, it's unpleasant. Far too much of the procrastinator's precious time is spent." tolling in the dark playground. Time could have been spent enjoying satisfying well-earned leisure if things had been done to a more logical schedule and panic isn't fun for anyone. Two, the procrastinator ultimately sells himself short. He ends up underachieving and fails to reach his potential, which eats away at him over time and fills him with regret and self-loathing. Three, the have-to-do's may happen, but not the want-to-do's. Even if the procrastinator is in the type of career where panic monsters are regularly present and he's able to be fulfilled at work, the other things in life that are important to him, getting in shape, cooking elaborate meals, learning how to play the guitar, writing a book, reading, or even making a bold career switch never happen because the panic monster doesn't usually get involved with those things. Undertaking like those expand our experience, make our lives richer, and bring us a lot of happiness. And for most procrastinators, they are left in the dust. Man, does that, end quote. Man, does that resonate with me. Um, so I did my tax returns. I got all my work done. And here I am doing the podcast, which is my passion I took care of all the have-to-dos, and now just doing this is my want-to-do. Running a gym is my want-to-do. My whole life has become my want-to-do because I said no to procrastination. And, uh, man, that last paragraph resonates with me so much. The panic monster will help you do your have-to-dos, your deadlines for work. But the panic monster will never be there. When it's time to work on your hide side hustle, you want to learn a guitar, learn another language, write a book. Um, I wanted to open a gym. I wanted to make a podcast. But the have-to-dos were all in the way. As soon as I learned how to get those out of the way is when I started doing my want-to-dos. And later, your want-to-dos will be your life. I just did my books for my 1 month, um month of April. I mean, and March. And um the amount of money I made from my gym surpassed the amount of money I made from accounting. So before I know it, I won't have any more have to do's. I could say fuck accounting. Just another reason why you should always say no to procrastination. Now, I love this part of the article because um, this is this is, um, this, is <laughs> this part resonates with me so much. By the way, I was listening to um, sound segments of me using my phone microphone and my Yeti microphone. Maybe I'm not using my Yeti microphone right, but just it sounds like my phone microphone is much better. So, if you know how to use the Blue Yeti, let me know. Alright, so, this part. Um, The procrastinator's problems run deep. Uh, Quote, something more than being more self-disciplined or changing bad habits. The root of the problem is embedded in his storyline. And his storyline must change. Now, planning. Procrastinators love Planning. Quite simply, because planning does not involve doing, and doing is the procrastinator's kryptonite. But when the pras- procrastinator's plan, like they do it in a vague way that doesn't consider details or reality too closely, and their planning leaves them perfectly set up not to actually accomplish anything, a procrastinator's planning session leaves him with a doer's nightmare. And then he wrote a he, he drew a little picture of the instant gratification monkey and quote. Okay, so I've got read up on stuff to be more knowledgeable at work, do house improvements, come up with a book idea, learn how to code, plan trip with friends, get into Asian cooking, think about a new career, and 24 more. End quote. Um, I used to do this all the time. I used to make these huge to-do lists, like a hundred tasks. I'm like, all right, I'm going to do all these. And I would end up doing none of them when I started really accomplishing stuff is when I got realistic. Uh, I would take that list of 100. I would make 10 lists of 10. And I say, this week, I'm going to do these 10. Next week, I'll do the other 10. Or lists of five. This This week, I'm going to do five. And, you know... I divide that into one a day, all right? We got five work days. I'll do one on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Make a clear and concise goal, okay? Quote, a big list of vague and daunting things makes the instant gratification monkey laugh. When you make a list like that, the monkey says, oh, perfect, this is easy. Even if your gullible conscious mind believes it intends to accomplish the items on the list in an efficient manner, the monkey knows that in your subconscious you have no intention of doing so. Effective planning, on the other hand, sets you up for success. Its purpose is to do the exact opposite of everything in that sentence. Effective planning takes a big list and selects a winner. A big list is perhaps an early phase of planning but planning must end with rigorous prioritizing and one item that emerges as the winner, end quote. Okay, so one thing that he, um, he, he's really good is um, he, he takes like a vague thing, like, hey, I want to learn how to code, okay? And some people will say, that's the list, learn to code. And this is the way he, 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 um, he re- reiterates that to make it um, more effective and make it into a real plan. Quote, so let's say your dream is to make your own app. And you know that if you build a successful app, you equip your job and become a full-time developer. You also think that programming ability is the literacy of the 21st century. and You don't have the money to spend outsourcing development anyway. So you decide to anoint, learn to code the winning item on your list, the number one priority. Exciting, right? No, because learn to code is intensely icky term. Every time you decide it's time to get started, you will coincidentally also decide your inbox needs to be cleaned out and your kitchen floor needs to be mopped ASAP. And it'll never end up happening. To un-icky the term, you need to read, research, and ask questions to find out exactly how one learns how to code. Specific means necessary for each step and how long you should take. So this is this is what I like. Icky term, learn to code. Real term, step one, sign up for code academy's 12 week course. Step two, do code academy's course between now and mid-February. Three, identify knowledge gaps and fill them in with Khan Academy lessons. Four, build mock-up app and send out for feedback. So like the way I could apply that to my life was um okay I wanted to open a gym one day getting um there's two ways getting a black belt takes ten years or I could make a name for myself as a blue belt the idea went into my head in the beginning of my blue belt days and I'm like how do I make a name for myself well I have to compete. Okay compete more no You go on your notes app, you make a list of every single tournament that you want to do that year, and you check off every one you do. You take a picture, you put it on social media, you market the fuck out of yourself. You let people know if they want to learn competition proven technique, picture of you and your gold medal, come to Immortals Jiu Jitsu. That's how I built building my gym up and it's doing really well right now. For my accounting business, hey, you sick and tired of your CPA not responding to you and taking a long time to do your stuff, come to me. Everything's remote, do it right away, and I do it for cheap. So I was able to take my dreams and just put them into clear and concise goals, and that's how I was able to do them. A remarkable, glorious achievement is what a long series of unremarkable unglorious tasks look like from far away what a beautiful quote i don't know where that's from but man every time i did a good fight tournament (laughs) grappling industries tournament um like something local i would win i'm like what the fuck am i doing why am i here no one cares that you won um you're not making any money. And I'm looking around like, why am I doing this? But something in my heart just told me, do it. And I knew that it would be the building blocks of the empire that is to come. Um, and then when it, time came for Worlds and the big tournaments, Pan Ams, American Nationals, and I did well in those, it was because of those long series of unremarkable, inglorious tasks. Um, This quote I loved, quote, the average day in a wannabe author's week and a real author's week looks almost the same. The real author writes a couple of pages laying a brick and the wannabe author writes nothing. 98% of their day is otherwise identical. But a year later, the real author has a completed first draft of a book and the wannabe author has nothing. So a book is what? 300 pages, 365 pages? If you do a page a day, which literally probably takes 15 minutes, in a year, you will have a book. It's such a great point this guy makes. um, And this applies to everything. It applies to jiu-jitsu. Everyone's like, Gordon, Ryan, Gary Tonin, how much do they train? They probably train so much. No. They do a morning session and an afternoon session. Each session takes about an hour. Maybe 2 hours. Let's let's round up to 2 hours. So it's 4 hours a day. Let's say you have a full-time job. Okay. Let's say you have a 9 to 5. You wake up at 6. You train from 7 to 8. You shower, you go to work. When you're done with work at 5, You go, you train from 6 to 7. That's two sessions. It's the same as the pros. 98% of your day is the same. Except they're twiddling their thumbs and you are fucking working your 9 to 5. Don't think that you're at such a disadvantage because you have a full-time job. It is all about the bricks. So in this part, he gives us a really cool diagram. It shows the critical entrance, the dark woods, the happy playground, and the flow state. We're gonna go over all these right now. I'm gonna go over the article, but then I'm also gonna go over my own life um, parallels to this. So the diagram, quote, so the diagram represents the challenge at hand every time you take on a task, whether it's making a PowerPoint for work going on a jog, working on a script, or anything else you do in your life, the critical entrance is where you go to officially start the work on task. So for me, this is opening up QuickBooks. This is opening up Drake Track software. This is driving to essential jujitsu, even though I know it's going to be miserable. This is driving to comp class when my muscles are stiff, I feel I'm not warmed up yet. I'm telling myself, hey, man, you know what? Let's just skip the morning session. Let's do the night session. Let's just relax. This is getting yourself to the critical entrance is very hard. But once you're there, you're faced with the dark woods. This is doing the first couple of steps of the tax return for me. Entering their name, birthday, um, their income. For QuickBooks, it's putting their card info in, doing the books, balancing the checks for training is starting to warm up, you know, getting that first roll in. Um, you know, warm getting that first roll in, you're like, ugh, God, I'm so stiff. And after that, you're rewarded by ending up in the happy playground, a place where you feel satisfaction. Where leisure and time is pleasant and rewarding because you got something hard done. It's like having a burger after a hard workout. It is like, you know, watching YouTube videos after you got your work done, going out with your friends with a clear mind, knowing you don't have anything to do because you got all your work done. Okay. Um, the next step while you're working okay there's a happy playground where you're enjoying yourself the other one is the state of flow the state of flow is the flow the state i'm in right now making this podcast when i first started i'm like okay i gotta go to the website i gotta reread this article i have to make a script and i'm like ugh. then i started talking then I realized, damn, this article is awesome. Then I realized, oh man, this is really fun. And now I'm in that kind of euphoric, cathartic state where I'm really enjoying doing this podcast. So I'm in the state of flow right now. I could do this for hours right now. It's when you're blissfully immersed in the task, you lose track of time. When you are started your guitar practice and you kind of get lost. You started your piano practice, you get lost. Okay. Now. Unfortunately for for procrastinators, they tend to miss out on both the happy playground and flow. For example, here's a procrastinator that never even gets started on the task he's supposed to do because he never makes it through the critical entrance. Instead, he spends hours wallowing in the dark playground, hating himself. After he finishes, he feels decent because he accomplished something, but he's also not that pleased because he knows he did an underwhelming job. On the project, because he had to rush so much. And he feels like he wasted most of his day procrastinating for no reason. This lands him in mixed feelings park. So if you're a procrastinator, let's look at what you need to do to get on the right path. One that will leave you much happier. The first thing you do is you have to make it through the critical entrance. And for me, this was starting the tax return, starting QuickBooks, starting the podcast. That means stopping whatever you're doing. When it's time to begin the task, putting away all distractions and getting started. It sounds simple, but it's the hardest part. And it's where the instant gratification monkey puts up its fiercest resistance. For me, I open up a tax return. I get an Instagram notification. I check my Instagram. Ooh, ooh, this babe just just sent me a heart, emo- heart eye emoji. Let's mi- Let's hit her up. Oh, then we start talking. Oh, then she asks me when are you gonna visit me oh two hours go by oh cool youtube i'll just watch this one video kings and generals i want to i want to read about the battle of waterloo oh wait the battle of Wa- oh, wait i need to know how napoleon got to the battle of, battle of waterloo oh look here's another video on the beginnings of napoleon's training to become a general. And the whole time while I'm doing this, I'm hating myself because I know I have to do this goddamn tax return, okay? So what I do is I take my motherfucking phone, I put it in the other room. I have an app that doesn't allow me to go on YouTube for three hours. I put a timer. I have something that doesn't allow me to go on Instagram that limits me. Quote, the monkey absolutely hates stopping something fun to start something hard, and this is where you need to be the strongest. Even if you could get started and force the monkey into the dark woods, you've broken a bit of his will. Of course, he's not going to give up anytime soon, okay? Because the the monkey, he just wants to have fun, doesn't want to do work, and he wants to distract you. But you have to say no, okay? The dark woods is where you're working. It's not a fun place to be, and the instant gratification monkey wants nothing to do with it. To make things harder, the dark woods is surrounded by the dark playground, one of the monkey's favorite places. And since he could see how close it is, he'll try as hard to make you leave. There's also times where you bump into a tree. Maybe the jog is taking an uphill street. Maybe you have to use an Excel formula you don't know. Maybe that song you're writing just isn't coming together the way you thought it would. And this is when the monkey will make his boldest attempt at escape. This is the toughest point. Now, this is not in the article, but this is kind of like one part that I do. You have to eliminate the the the, the dark woods that are uh, that are surrounding the critical entrance, um, the dark playground that's surrounding the dark woods. You have to you have to just erase that. Put your phone away. Put YouTube away. Put your phone on silent. Work on work on yourself okay and that'll make your journey through the dark woods so much easier and remember guys you can you can get out of the flow state right back to the dark playground if you let the wrong things distract you kind of just happened to me just got a message on instagram hey i think i've heard of you before and of course that leads to a conversation i'm like wait wait i was doing the podcast go back to the podcast bro so you're powering through the dark woods and uh, quote the good news is if you could power through a bit of the dark woods something funny happens making progress on a task produces positive feelings of accomplishment raises your self-esteem the monkey gains his strength off of low self-esteem and when you feel a joint of self-satisfaction the monkey finds a high self-esteem banana in his path. It Doesn't quite quell his resistance entirely, but it goes a long way to distract him for a while. You'll find that the urge to procrastinate has diminished. Then, you continue along. Something magical happens. Once you get two-thirds or three-fourths of the way through a task, especially if it's going well, you start to feel great about the things, and suddenly, the end is in sight, and this is the key tipping point. The tipping point on the diagram he gives is right where the dark playground ends and right where the dark woods kind of start becoming sparse. You're not in the happy playground yet. And this in jujitsu, this is around like round three. You're warmed up completely. You've lost track of time. You're just having fun. You're getting a great workout. You could go all night at this point. It's not miserable anymore. Doing attacks, turn your halfway through. And you're telling yourself, man, this isn't as hard as I thought. I should have just started this a while ago. This is easy. Doing QuickBooks, same thing. Going for a run. Once you're like 10 minutes in, you're warm. You're like, man, this is great. You're starting to get that runner's high, end quote. The tipping point is important because it's not just who who can smell the happy playground up ahead. The monkey can smell it too. The monkey doesn't care if his instant gratification comes alongside you or at your expense. He just loves things that are easy and fun. Once you hit the tipping point, the monkey became becomes more interested. And... What's up, guys? This podcast is now sponsored by ExpressVPN. Sending data over an unencrypted internet connection is like sending a postcard. Your message is wide open for the mailman and any of those other nosy people to see. Whether you're connected to an unencrypted internet network on your phone, computer, tablet, TV, etc. You're sending countless pieces of information into the digital world that can be seen and intercepted by many different parties before they get to your intended destinations. Guys, go to expressvpn.com R-A-K for three months and a discount if you use my code. I will leave the link in the description. But a VPN or virtual private network creates a secure tunnel between your device and the internet. In other words, it puts an envelope around your postcard so no one could sneak a peek at your private correspondence expressvpn protects you from hackers who try to steal your private information every time you connect to an unencrypted wi-fi network at airport hotels coffee shops or even at home you're at risk a hacker connected to the same unencrypted wi-fi network can steal your personal info with only basic computer knowledge the hacker could even gain access to your passwords financial details or even your emails expressvpn encrypts your internet connection using the highest standard of encryption currently available. If you'd like to take a hacker with a supercomputer billions of years to crack. Guys, I will not name what countries I've been to because I don't want to get killed, but I've been to some countries where Instagram, Facebook, social media is completely blocked by a firewall. And the only way you could view those things is a VPN. And thank God I had Express VPN on my visits and it made everything easy. I like to use DraftKings, which is a sports betting app. And if I'm not in New Jersey, it says, oops, not in New Jersey. You can't bet. But guess what? ExpressVPN, baby. I say, guess what, guys? I am in New Jersey, and I put my bets in. Another thing I like to do with ExpressVPN, let's say you're watching a YouTube video and it says not available in your country or song, not available in your country. Guess what? I'm going to make my VPN in whatever country I got to be to listen. If you're trying to get married to someone rich overseas, um, put your VPN in New York City, even though you live in Timbuktu. Get matched with someone, uh, fall in love, and move over there. All right. Your internet service provider can see everything you do. US ISPs can legally sell your data to ad companies. UK and Australian ICPs are required to keep logs of websites you visit. The apps you use in the private conversations you have for one to two years. Governments, large corporations, websites constantly survey you and harvest your data for their own agendas. ExpressVPN puts a stop to that by encrypting all your data and hiding your location. Hey guys, ever um, have a conversation with your friends about something and the next thing you know you're getting an ad? Yep, that's right. When you let your microphone um, give your microphone access to whatever app you're on, they could listen to whatever you're saying. You want to stop that? ExpressVPN, baby. ExpressVPN gives you unrestricted aspe- as, um, access to all parts of the internet. Many websites or apps are blocked or, res- or restricted depending on where you are in the world. Certain countries even censor the internet and don't let you access websites freely. Think of a YouTube video you weren't able to watch, a website you couldn't visit, or a sports match you were unable to stream. What about stuff that's cheaper in other countries like Spotify subscriptions, flight tickets, online games? ExpressVPN allows you to reroute your connection to a server in a country of your choice, making geo-restrictions a thing of the past. All right, guys. uh, I hope you end up using uh, ExpressVPN. They're sponsoring the podcast. I'm going to put a link in the description. If you don't want to look at the link, it's expressvpn.com R-A-K. That is expressvpn.com R-A-K. Hope you guys use it. Hope you have a wonderful, wonderful day. Man, how I love getting interrupted in the middle of a podcast. Anyway, back to where I was. The tipping point is important because it's not just you who could smell the happy playground up ahead. The monkey can smell it too. The monkey doesn't care if his instant gratification comes alongside you or as your expense. He loves things that are easy and fun. Once you hit the tipping point, the monkey becomes more interested in getting to the happy playground than the dark playground. When this happens, you lose all impulse to procrastinate, and now you both and the monkey are speeding towards the finish. Reminds me when I was playing the keyboard or guitar at first. It's like, oh, I can't get this. But once you get it, once you get the note, you're enjoying yourself. You're getting the runner's high. You're, you're, you're in round three. You're having fun. Oh, in tournaments, it's after you get past that first match and all your anxiety is gone. You're just living in the moment and you love it. You're like, I'm so happy I competed. I feel great about myself. I made so many friends. It's awesome. Quote, before you know it, you're done, you're in a happy playground now. First time in a while, you and the monkey are a team. You both want to have fun. and It feels great because it's earned. When you and the monkey are on a team, you're almost always happy. The other thing that might happen when you pass a tipping point, depending on the type of task and how well it's going, that you might start feeling fantastic about what you're working on. So fantastic that continuing to work sounds like much more fun than stopping to do leisure activities. You've become obsessed with the task, you lose interest in basically everything else, including food and time. This is called flow. Flow is not only a blissful feeling, it's usually when you go to do great things. The monkey is just as addicted to the bliss as you are. It's like when you're at the gym and you're in the zone and you just wanna stay there for like three hours or when you're writing, when I'm writing a script for the podcast, I'll go to a bar, It's hard to start, but then once I get on a roll, it's like, wow, I'm just there for three hours writing and um, just doing a great job and I feel great about myself. I'm continuing on with this. Fighting through to the tipping point is hard, but what makes procrastination so hard to beat is that the instant gratification monkey has a terribly short-term memory. Even if you wildly succeed on Monday when you begin a task on Tuesday, the monkey has forgotten everything and will again resist entering the dark woods or walking through them. Oh man, I can't tell you how true this is. You might have one great training session, one great competition. You might do a tax return, but tomorrow or next week, you it's just as hard. But then when you're consistent with it, when you go to the gym every day, it becomes less and less hard to get out of bed and go to the gym. And your time to get to the critical entrance and through the dark woods is much shorter. But it takes time to build that. And that's, quote, that's why persistence is such a critical component for success. Laying such, each brick yields an inner struggle. And in the end, your ability to win this very specific struggle and lay brick after brick, day after day, is what lies at the core of a procrastinator's struggle to gain gain control over his world. So that's what needs to happen. But if procrastination could be solved by reading a blog entry, it wouldn't be much of a large problem in so many lives. There is only one way to truly beat procrastination. Okay. So in the next part, he goes over steps on how to do it. Okay. Um, Making yourself accountable. Okay. Um, Some things uh, that he talks about is for me. So like, um, let's say I want to get down to 188, I, comp- I I set I set myself for a tournament at 188. So if I don't get down there, I embarrass myself, I embarrass my team, and I embarrass my peers. You tell yourself, Oh, blog post every Tuesday. Now you know, you have to post every Tuesday. Or else you will be unaccountable. And people will think you're a joke. Solicit external support. You got to tell your family, your friends, so they keep you accountable. Oh, whatever happened to that? Whatever happened to that? So that it's not just an inner thing that you have people to keep you accountable. As a jujitsu coach, that's my job. I keep people accountable. Where were you today? Where were you today? And people will make bullshit excuses and I'll call them out on it. And they either love me for it or hate me. Okay. Um, some other stuff they, um, he talks about set an alarm, you know, for me, I really wanted to meditate. So I have an alarm when I wake up and when I go to bed, I five minutes in the morning, five minutes at night, and it's made a world of a difference. All right, guys, this podcast is about to hit one hour. So I'm going to stop it here because I know y'all got very short attention spans, all right? I like to keep my episodes around an hour, all right? This ain't Joe Rogan experience, all right? So before you leave, make sure to go on Instagram and follow me at K-O-O-L-R-A-K at Immortals Jiu-Jitsu. At Rambling with Rack, and check out my website, immortalsjiu-jitsu.com. If you want to support the brand, we have hoodies, t shirts, um, rash guards. If you want to support the gym, come by 891 Bloomfield Ave, Clifton, New Jersey, and take a free trial class. Guys, thank you so much for your support. Uh, we hit 11,000 this week, and I am truly uh, humbled. I didn't think this would make it this big, Um, and I only see a very bright future for the podcast. Thank you once again. Make sure to share this podcast on the platform that you're listening on, and I hope you guys have a wonderful, wonderful night.